and welcome to the Superior Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdin, and I'm the editor of GrindMyReels.com. And I'm Mark Chinacchio, the editor of the Chasing Amazing blog. Thanks for joining us for the 28th episode of Superior Spider Talk. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. We hope that you all had a wonderful New Year's, and we're really excited to be back with you in 2014 for another year of great shows. And it seems like 2014 is already starting off on a, on a really high note, Dan. But for episode 28, we'll be discussing the extra-large, extra-sized Superior Spider-Man number 25. We will answer your fan mail, discuss all the spider news that's fit to print, as if there was any news lately, Dan. Whatever. <laughs> And then discuss our memories of two classic issues from our collection, Amazing Spider-Man's number 300 and 375. Of course, if you want to skip to a specific section, you can just use the chapter selection arrows on your player. Also, if you hear this sound, please check out your iOS device for a link to an article, video, or image to enhance your listening experience. Mark, we got a ton of things to talk about today, so let's get right to it. Superior Spider-Man number 25. Dan, well, Superior Spider-Man 25 certainly was another very fast-paced, very plot-heavy issue from Dan Slott and Christos Gage. And, you know, it basically felt like it's Slott doing what he does best, which is making you turn pages at a furious pace while simultaneously breaking down everything that he's been building up for the past year and change. Yeah, it's just another one of those, like, every other page is a different situation and a different plot line just happening and executing and i guess this is our uh Chekhov's gun firing yeah definitely i mean you know it's it's funny um i've i felt up until this point even with these very aggressively paced issues there's been a kind of organic flow um to the superior story but with um some of the news that has come out which we're going to get to there was, you know, some reveals that came in this issue that now I'm like starting to wonder: Are they just now trying to like cram everything into these last few issues? I mean, what did you think? Well, it's funny because this book is selling so well. You'd think that they wanted to like stretch it out to sell more books, which they seem to be doing with the B titles. Um, but the, these issues have seemed so cramped packed that I think it's going a little, still a little too fast for me. There's a couple of uh, a big plot developments in this that like just barely happened and we moved on to the next thing like uh the people of new york turning on spider-man was mm. like a page and heck peter parker's like apparent return from the dead like is barely even a, two, a page or two in this issue so i don't know for me it was a little too fast paced but at this point uh i know that you and i have discussed this that's kind of slots you know style and I do still enjoy getting a lot of content. So it's, you know, ups and downs. It's nice to have this all these things firing and, and really setting it up for the, the finale. So I'm, right, I'm hoping this finale like, is able to like, really have all these moments to pay off in, in a bigger way. Yeah. 
Well, let's talk a little bit about Ghost Peter here, um, just because, I mean, in terms of plot developments, um, that was probably the most significant one. I mean, we had the hint of his return uh, in Superior Spider-Man 19 when uh, we had that great double-page spread from Ryan Stegman and, and, you know, Peter emerging from the rubble of Otto's mind. But, um, you know, with, with, with the news that came out um, recently about Amazing Spider-Man relaunching in April, and again, we're going to talk at great length about that. Um, you know, it's it's weird. It's like... I, I, I kind of had a feeling something like this was going to happen in this issue. I can't say with certainty, like, oh, you know, I, I knew that Ghost Peter was going to be back, um, you know, without having read spoilers or anything. But it just like the moment kind of like didn't have the gravitas that I think it should have had. You know, like, I mean, this is this guy was, you know, his his last his last real appearance in this form was, you know, him forgetting his name and and, you know, basically being buried under rubble. And, you know, whereas like I felt that Stegman double page in 19, you know, felt like really kind of emotional and important. This was almost kind of like, OK, now we're at this now. Now we're doing this, you know, like it just it didn't it, the, the, the emotional impact didn't land for me. What about you? Yeah, I don't think it's a it's a problem of the art here because uh, you mentioned Stegman because I, I think Humberto Ramos's rendering of the Venom symbiote swallowing the body whole and then the pencil uh, drawn uh, Peter like pulling him free I think is really like like visceral and 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 really well rendered. Yeah. But uh, the writing seems so like glib. Like I've been hiding and now I'm back and then uh, see you later. Uh, it's like, yeah, no, it was, exactly. It was a tease, it was a tease, and, and a moment like that shouldn't really be a tease. I think. Um, I like the little hints we got, and, and this seems maybe almost too full blown. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was kind of like, you know, when 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 we were first dealing with Ghost Peter during the first nine issues. Um, when when he showed up at the end of Superior One, I mean, there was like a legitimate surprise factor for me. I mean, the, the, I mean, I read that the you know the night that issue came out, and I was like, oh my goodness, like what, what you know, I was totally not expecting that. And then I felt like with each subsequent issue, you know, Ghost Peter kind of got a little, you know, tired. The the device got tired, and 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 you know, when we learned after the fact that this was not even something that Ganslot necessarily wanted to do that this was kind of forced on him um from marvel's editorial to kind of help transition people in a world without peter that kind of made sense to me so you know like you know i I almost feel like you know maybe slot not that he doesn't like writing ghost peter but it's like you know there's an awkwardness to it like you said there's a glibness like like hi bye you know like you know there, there, there needed to be more and the word I keep coming back to is gravitas, which, you know, makes me probably sound pretentious. But you know what I mean, right, Dan? Yeah, I just uh, – I think it maybe even less of it would have been fine. Like imagine if you just saw like one panel of like this blue hand pulling him out of the venom. Like how much speculation we would have about that and like excitement instead of this full-blown, I'm here but I'm hiding and yeah. you won't see me again for a little while. You, you know what I mean? Uh, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to be tickled instead of like – you know, just being given it all at once, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't eat a whole bag of Skittles at once. 
<laughs> I like to have it piece by piece. Um, okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, what about um, Otto in this issue? You know, there was there was some really good Spider Rock moments, uh, character moments. I thought during this melee with the Avengers that I really liked. Um, you know, for one, I, I and you know maybe this is part of me and my hangups about spider-man being an avenger but like i really liked how he kind of turned on the avengers and was like you know after everything i do this is how you treat me which is kind of like how i feel even when it's peter as spider-man and then on top of that i i loved what drove conflict between otto and the symbiote which was that you know he wasn't pissed that the symbiote was making him do all these evil things he was pissed that the symbiote was making him do something and that's like so quintessential Otto Octavius, like that, like that, that egomaniacal, hubris-filled, like you know, nobody takes control of my mind and makes me do stuff without me consenting, even if it's good, evil, or whatever. So, what, what did you think of that? Yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting point, and and, and I agree with both of those. Um, I, I liked how the suit was used here as a way to like trigger his reveal and downfall. You mm. know, just. Uh, using that thing as, and also to like cover up like what's been wrong with him. Although it was really great to see the Avengers give him that like blank stare when he made that pronouncement, like "Oh, I'm better now." Um, <laughs> the suit's been taking him over my mind, and like you have Agent Venom in the background, like "Hey, uh, excuse me, uh, I only just got lost the suit like yesterday or this morning. You're like, what what's going on here?" So um, I thought it was a really nice like way to kind of like. You know, the one thing that Otto needed to trigger his downfall is the final reveal of his, his ego. And, and the fact that it was done through the Venom suit, I think, was a really interesting way of handling this. You know, if you needed to bring Venom into it to sell a couple books, like, this is the way to do it. Um, yeah. Although, I have to say, um, as a resolution to the Venom storyline, I felt like it was a bit of a letdown. Like, because they really advertise these egos – not, the, not these egos. They really advertise these issues – um, as like uh, Venom being put in a different situation than the story he's been in and and uh, that it might have lasting consequences on the character. And none of that ended up being true. Venom is kind of just like, he's like, well, I'm headed back to Philly now. See you later, dudes. Um, yeah, I was say, they did nothing for Flash here. I mean, like, you know, we, we, we obviously from, you know, previews and solicitations know that at some point he's going to end up on a, you know, in the cosmic universe hanging out with... Groot and Rocket Raccoon, but um, and visiting the symbiote homeworld. If you follow Bendis's Twitter, oh, is that is that what they're going to do? That makes sense. I think it's um, just going to be one story arc. Um, yeah. Well, point being though, like it's just kind of like what you know. There was this bill to Flash, and he doesn't have a book to return to, and wah, and it was just kind of like, like you said, like later, dudes, back to Philly. Let me get on the Amtrak. <laughs> Yeah, it's just kind of strange because you have this great opportunity to really do something with Venom and, and the whole status quo of Superior. And I feel like there are some changes. You know, like the Avengers are now tipped off, and at least I think they are. Um, we'll get back to that later. Um, and, you know, there's some other supporting members who are, like, kind of more fishy, but, like, it didn't feel like there was much done in that department. So, I don't know. It's kind of a letdown for me because I was excited to see, like, what they were going to do new with Venom. Yeah, no, and it, it turned out just to be more of the same. Um, what did you think about like the people turning against the spider bots? Yeah, I mean, like you know what you I think you nailed it earlier when you said it, it for a moment that seemed pretty significant. It was it was kind of 
treated so briefly that that you know it's not until you brought it up again that i was like oh yeah that happened you know like it, it's it's it should have been more i mean it's a big it's a big thing i mean you know maybe it's a little heavy-handed with um all of the nsa stuff that's in the news right now um you know i i don't know i always get you know it's always good when things allude to what's going on in the world but you know like i i still try i still try and get an apolitical experience from my from my comic book reading which is probably naive of me but um I think even beyond that, I mean, it's it's obviously a significant moment, and it's just playing into this whole idea that Superior really, you know, Spy- Otto is really just leaving Peter with nothing to return to um, in in a couple of months. Um, but it, for a moment like that, it should have been, I think, a bigger deal, right? Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I have one last question about this Peter Parker ghost or whatever you're calling it now. Yeah. Um, how is it tugging at the symbiote? Like... He pulls the symbiote off of him. Like, can he affect others now? Have we ever seen that before? That seems um, to go against the general conceit of what that thing is. Well, he's physically stopped Otto's hand in earlier issues, hasn't he? Right, but that's him. Like, you could write that off yeah. as him being like controlling, controlling his himself. Mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, like, what's he doing with the symbiote? Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's. <sighs> okay, I mean, just trying to explain away something that wasn't. You're going to well get explained. a no prize here, Mark. I'm going to get a no prize? Yeah. What do you mean? Do you know what a no prize is? I don't. Oh, come on. You have to know what a no prize is. I don't. What's a no prize? Really? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm really flabbergasted right now, actually. I'm sorry. A no prize. Stan Lee used to give away no prizes in the uh, the mail column of Spider-Mail back when okay. he was writing the book or when he was editing the book. And uh, if you were able to explain away a mistake in continuity as it being actually in continuity, oh, he I would see. give you a no prize. You see, maybe it's just because I never read the letters section of, of, of my old Spider-Man comics. I, I guess. I don't know. It's a pretty well – okay, I'm going to stop haranguing you about this. Uh, oh, no, no. You're, it's okay. I Please mean, send you know. us your email uh, about how dumb Mark is about no prizes. <laughs> I thought we were going to stop haranguing me, so now we're going to have, now we're going to have emails for the oh, next I'm, episode. I'm going to stop, but the the listeners now is your opportunity. Fair enough. Um, no, <laughs> so here's my no prize entry. Um, so if the symbiote is melded with you know Spiderox mind, maybe he's con- physically controlling it by physically controlling Otto by giving him the willpower to break break the bond. Or he's controlling the Venom suit through Otto's mind's connection with it? Yeah. All right. Yeah, these are all reaches. All right. I'll yes. buy it for now. Moving on. Uh, in terms of characters who have undergone significant changes in this issue or, or seem to be presented as undergoing significant changes. Uh, so Carly Cooper's a goblin now, huh? Yeah. Yeah. She and, is and, a goblin. And there, uh, there, I got to tell you, Dad, there is just something that makes me a little uncomfortable about this subplot. I don't know what it is. I I'm mean, glad I'm not alone because I can't put my finger on it, but it really disturbs me. Like if this is what it – if what we're seeing is what it really is and you know, I know that and we'll get to this later that – Dan Slott doesn't want to be too precious with things in Pete's life. But this just seems like, you know, like I'd rather him just kill Carly off rather than kind of put her as, you know, have her fate connected to being demented by Gollum, Goblin Serum for the rest of her life. I mean, that just seems like a like a step too far. I mean, I know there's a segment of the fan base that is not a huge fan of Carly Cooper. And Lord knows that she hasn't really done a lot to improve her character in this storyline. I mean. 
not that she has control of it. It's being written for her uh, <laughs> as if she's a real person. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I just feel like this is kind of, I don't know, like I said, uncomfortable. I, 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 I don't like this. I, I, I really hope that this is just her playing games. Um, what yeah, about you? I, I'm going to say it here. Uh, and I know, like you said, there's a, a part of the fan base that doesn't like her. I am going to say it. I've always liked Carly Cooper. Uh, I don't see what's, you know, I think maybe what pushed people over the edge is all this, like, she's so great for you, Peter. Uh, you know, she's the girl for you stuff that was going on at the beginning of, like, Slot's run and towards the end of uh, Brand New Day. Uh, right. Where Carly was the only woman that Peter could be with. But I've always thought as, like, a, a Spider-Man, like, love interest and, and supporting character, she's always been very proactive. and I mean, not always. <laughs> Through Superior, she's kind of been... A bit of uh, an, an idiot, but but I think prior to that, and especially during like Dan Slott's run of the book, I've always liked her as like an honest, like go getter of a person. When Peter was cheating, like uh, not telling her tr- the truth, she held him accountable for that, and I appreciate that out of her as as a character. And just to see her put through this seems so like glib with doing a really like awful thing to her. Um, it, yeah. and it, it definitely seems like she's like lying, right? She hasn't told whoever's in the goblin costume who is in the Spider-Man outfit. Um, you know, I can't imagine if she's gone full crazy. That I mean, she definitely seems crazy. She injures Blaze pretty sig- significantly, or is yeah. it Blaze that she injures? Or um, yeah, one of one of the fake Kingsley people, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's 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 really unsettling and you know for me i think you know the, the some of the discontent with carly has more to do with the fact that she was the first girl after the mj annulment which you know there are still fans who haven't gotten over that um so um that probably has a lot to do with it and the, and what you said as well in terms of like you know I've, I've never had issues with her i can't say that i think the character is a great character but i think she's been pretty cool i i, I don't mind her as part of the supporting cast at this point um so and what is it? What is it that disturbs you about this so much? Do you know? I just think it's a dis. It, it, it kind of feels like, um, it's it's bait for the fans who hate the character. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like, like like, and then it makes me wonder because you know Dan Slott's a pretty open minded guy. I don't I don't take him as someone who, you know, maybe this is a case of not to not to cross pollinate pop culture here, but you know, like it reminds me of that scene in towards the end of Breaking Bad where, uh, you know, Walter is on the phone with Skylar and is just basically, like, eviscerating her, but he's doing it to get her off the hook with the cops, but he's also doing it because he thinks that way and there are fans who think that way about Anna Gunn's character. So it, it's kind of like that weird circular thing that's going on, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, in terms of the design of the new character, I think she's rendered in a really creepy fashion yeah, uh, by Ramos. Um, it kind of reminds me of the female gremlin in Gremlins too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's very true. And she's got this whole like poison ivy, like green sequined outfit on. Um, but uh, I do have one question. She has this mask that she wears with no eye holes. Like Ramos, I love your designs, but like I think you maybe could have taken a step back here, like. How is she doing what she's doing? She can't see anything. Yeah, no, I mean, 
I'm not, I'm not going to get a no prize for this one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she needs her eyeballs. I don't know. It's like, I thought it was like your designs. Like I love the design of the goblin knight uh, with the pumpkins on the shoulders and stuff. That stuff is really neat. Right. But I don't get this whole eyeless mask thing. Right. All and right. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just say. I mean, connected, but moving on a little bit. Then there is, um, you know, Norman or <laughs> Green Goblin saying to her, you know, so tell me, tell me the identity of of Spider Man, and you know, she's like, no, you know, pre- quid pro quo, you first, and he's like, I'm Norman Osborn, but he doesn't take the mask off. Um, now that makes me think more than ever, it's it can't be Norman Osborn, the Green Goblin. What about you? Well, I mean. <laughs> God, we're doing this again, which yeah. <laughs> this speculating. I mean, it, it could it could be that's what I thought when I first read it, but now I'm like thinking at the same time, like, well, maybe he's just being honest and he's just like screwing with us, you know? Like Right, right. Like this is Dan Slott having a lot of fun. Um and knowing about how like playing against people's like typical reactions to comic books. I mean, what if Norman's just being honest? I I don't I mean not that Norman has that typical as a character trait but um, yeah I don't know man I mean it could be any I say here's what we do and because I know you've written on your blog that you don't want to do any more speculating about this um, and I think there is far too many like red herrings out there and it's meant to confuse us I don't think any of us are any closer to figuring this out until it actually happens who it is mm-hmm. um, let's say right now. We place a bet down. We just say a name, and that's it. You know, and we'll we'll come back to this when we find out who it is and see if either of us guessed it right. Because God knows it could be someone we've really, never even heard of before. Right, right. Uh, do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? Let's do it. Uh, All right. So I, who, I bet who you. you down. Vin Gonzalez. All right. So if you're saying Vin, who is also on my radar, I'll say Norman just to be the opposite. So we'll see. Because it could, I'm fifty fifty. So Norman and Vin, those are our picks, and God knows it's going to be I, I don't I don't even know Modoc or something. Yeah, just don't ask me. Don't ask me to justify. Don't ask me to explain. Don't you know? You can come with me with your theories, but don't ask me to debunk them. I'm just saying it's Vin. I'm, I'm that's my guess, and I'm going to stay with it until the bitter end. Yeah, and you know, I was thinking about this Vin thing. You know, everybody knows about Norman Osborn being the Green Goblin, right? Because he was outed. Right. As as the head of, you know, uh what was his agency called? The uh Hammer? Yes. So, uh you know, anybody could say I'm Norman Osborne. Like what does that mean? I don't know. Anyway, let's go with those um that moment is there just to stoke the fire and I don't know what it means and maybe you do you have any more insight than I do? No. Okay. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> um, but on the note of the goblin, so what? What was your take on this goblin Roderick Kingsley feud? Because, and I don't know. Maybe I'm 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 coming to this point because I'm now thinking more and more that it's not Norman Osborn. I like I I don't understand where the beef is. You know what I mean? Like it's like why 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 does why is the Green Goblin harassing Kingsley so much? It's you know I know it's going to make for a good fight. I'm assuming next issue, but 
I don't know. I'm just not feeling it. I, I for lack of a better word, I, I, I phrase. I, I'm just not feeling the conflict here. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sold on it. What, what What about you? So, are you asking me, Mark? Where's the beef? Where's the beef? Okay. I mean, as I've said all along, I think the beef is over turf wars, and I think that it's played out in all the issues. Is that, yeah, uh, the last remaining like guy controlling crime in the city is Roderick Kingsley. That's the beef. Um, it just so happens to be that they're both goblins, and he's utilized that to his benefit to kind of turn Roderick's own guys against him or to, to ban- uh, you know, bankrupt him a bit. Um, and the beef to me is, guess what? There's only one goblin in town, and there's only one crime leader in town. You either get with me or you don't. And Roderick is no follower. In this issue, he very, much, he very well says, I spent... F- far too long building this empire to see it torn down by someone like you and or he says a lunatic like you which i appreciated because it's always been kingsley's approach towards the green goblin he's just a lunatic but i'm going to be the guy with the same power set but smarter yeah no that's a great point i i i don't know I guess I guess I mean I, I, don't get me wrong. I love the fact that Roderick Kingsley's in our comic book universe as much as pretty much anyone. Yeah, I mean you know anyone who followed my blogging over the summer knows that I, I love me some Hobgoblin and I and I love the the kind of convoluted backstory to the character. But uh, I don't know. I, you, you, you're right, Dan. I'm not going to deny it. But like I I I just don't feel sold um, that we're boiling over to this point. You know. Yeah, I, I'm I, hear you, I hear you. It, I'm fine with it, and uh, I'm interested to see where it heads. Like, could we get the death of Kingsley finally <laughs> in in this? I, I don't know. I don't know. That would be sad. That would be, that would be sad. <laughs> he's he's my favorite villain. So, uh, like, can we can we just like resurrect Jason Massendale and kill him again? <laughs> <laughs> the Demo Goblin Part Two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with with him and Doppelganger can can join up in Carnage in his fight against Deadpool. Oh, uh, please. <laughs> um, any other uh, fun moments for you in this issue? Um, how about uh, we 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 got some Iron Man at the end to kind of be the smart Avenger? Yeah, I like the way that Iron Man was written here. Like he's finally showing up in this comic, and I really liked Humberto Ramos's rendering of him um, in his new suit and. Uh, I thought it was fun to to read Iron Man and uh, in, in the issue. I thought he had a good grip on it. Um, although it does show off that whole like trope of characters over explaining their relationships to each other. Um, like in, in, whenever they meet each other, like oh yeah, we met it, blah blah blah, and blah blah blah, and it kind of shows off that like the lack of the editorial notes and stuff can sometimes like break its way into dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like, uh, I don't know, have you seen the movie The Room, Mark? I have not. There's this really crazy movie called The Room, and it's one of the worst movies ever made. And it's kind of gone around become the new, like, Rocky Horror Picture Show. And what's crazy about it is it's like everybody in this movie, like, talks like they've never seen a movie before or they've never learned the conventional tropes of being in a film. So whenever anybody enters the room... That person goes and shakes hands with everybody in the room and is like, hello, nice to see you. Good to see you. And it's totally not necessary. 
And this feels a little bit like that to me. Okay. Where people, like a guy walks in the room and it's like, oh, it's Iron Man. I met him in blah, blah, blah. He knows my identity. Does, does he know your identity? No, <laughs> he doesn't know my identity. True. But it was nice to see that, you know, Tony Stark at least, like, is kind of like, you know, not taking the same stupid pills that everyone else is yeah. um, on the Avengers, um, you know. And again, it kind of ties into them clearly trying to just wrap up this storyline. I mean, you know, it's like one of those things where, you know, we talked about it a couple episodes ago where, you know, we, 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 not that we have, you know, not that the Avengers were acting out of character, but it's like, it's, isn't it just convenient that like, you know, Iron Man wasn't around for the first batch of tests. And now that he's here, it's like, oh, well, you know, I made this discovery and it looks like you know, Spider-Man has been lurking around and erasing uh, files that we have on him. So, you know, I'm now going to advance this plot to the end game because, you know, we all know that the end game is coming. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, speaking of uh, stupid pills, yeah. um, let's talk a little bit about MJ. Oh, no. <laughs> MJ, we, 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 she, she, she seemed empowered last issue. And then this one was just kind of like, um, you know, she 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 thinks that Peter is you know that that Spider Rock is Peter again, and you know she can feel it, and she tells Aunt May, "Oh, we'll talk about it later." And it's like, and I'm saying to myself, "Why is everything always later in this book?" You know, <laughs> like why why can't anybody ever talk about things now? Besides the fact that you know the creative team needs them to talk about it later. <laughs> Yeah, and I and I buy the fact that she's like, yeah, it was Venom who was influencing you, and and blah 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 blah. And clearly, the Avengers don't buy that. Um, but like, you got that grinning Peter face again while he's hugging her, and I'm like, what is it? What is he trying to accomplish here? I guess he's trying to like, if he can fool MJ, he can fool anyone else or something like that. But like, I'm like, I'm hoping we're not getting into this creepy MJ territory again. I don't think oh, we are, though. No, I don't think we are. I mean, I think that was just kind of a, you know, kind of a straight out of a horror movie visual from Ramos, you know, like, you know, the villain, the villain who they don't know yet that the person doesn't know is the villain, you know, is hiding in the closet with a creepy grin on his face. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think that's all that was all my takeaway from it. So uh, speaking of knowledge about uh, like the identity and, and who is who, yeah. I have a lot of questions about the symbiote. Um because we get a moment in this where Flash is trying to access the suit's memories, and he says it's like a two-way, like a radio fuzz going both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what's going on here? Because when we were getting some of the teases for the, these issues, like Slot mentioned in interviews that, like, we don't know what the relationship between the symbiote and uh, you know Peter is anymore. Do they remember from the mind wipe? What is the situation? Blah blah blah. Like. Does the symbiote now like the symbiote has to know that it's Peter under there now because he's been wearing him for a while and like will Flash learn about this like why can't Flash access these memories is it because of the mind wipe but that shouldn't apply anymore the mind wipe is over like what did you make about all this stuff well didn't they also in Superior Carnage hint that the Carnage symbiote knew who the, the, the Spider Man's identity. I'm not necessarily sure. Oh, you mean yeah, yeah he did after he wore it. He yeah, knew. yeah, af- af- yeah. After well, well, because it because well, no, it was because he told Wizard, and then Wizard wore the symbiote, and then Wizard seemed to still know, and then when the symbiote went to back to Cassidy, he knew. Yeah. Um, 
So, or at least it was implied. So, yeah, Lobot- you know, like post lobotomy, Ca- Cassidy knew. Yes. So, but the thing is, you know, the, the, I guess the the inclination in Superior Carnage was it was because the wizard physically heard, you know, who Spider Man's identity was, or or, yeah. or 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 guessed it, or whatever. Uh, I don't know, Dan. I mean, like that's this is the kind of stuff that kind of drives me crazy with 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 what are the rules after the mind wipe? I thought the uh, last we heard of the mind wipe rules was that it was up. Anybody could discover his identity now. Um, they don't remember, but it was discoverable, right? Because of his big announcement on the TV during Spider Island. So, like, what's the deal? Is- I mean, you would. Ha- I mean, if if you're gonna go based on the on true continuity of the characters, um, you know the, the the whole point behind Eddie Brock's Venom was the symbiote told him who Spider Man was, right? Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to guess that at some point Flash will know who Spider Man is. That just seems to make sense, right? I guess, but he tried to access that in this issue and he couldn't get to it. <sighs> I'm exhausted. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> just worth, worth worth bringing it up. Bringing it up. Um, yeah. What did you think about slot or not slot? What did you think about Ramos's art in this book? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, we've we've talked about it on on, on a couple other scenes earlier. I, I mean, again, I, I I really liked Ramos on this arc. Um, you know, I I I think he does a great job with Venom. I you know, I recently on Chasing talked about. Uh, the Ramos Paul Jenkins arc on Spectacular Spider-Man, where he did Venom the first time, and you know, I like the renderings then. I like them even more now because I think Ramos has grown as an artist since um, 2003 when he was doing that. Um, yeah, his you know, the, the, the facial reactions of everyone, like you, you know, we talked about the Peter MJ hug and the creepy face, and it, like it, it just sets up a good drama. And then of course, you know, you have the fight sequences with the Avengers, which is kind of like. You know, Ramos going back to Spider Island territory in terms of just, you know, many, many things happening on a page, but everything just kind of looking alive and dynamic and filled with motion and explosions and destruction and everything else. So I, 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 you know, the whole, like I said, whole arc, I love what Ramos did here. This is, you know, probably one, one of my favorite things he's done on Superior so far. I love how he draws goblins and... Uh, you know, I think Kevin Coley's goblins are okay, and I'm like, gosh, you know, I, I, with all these goblins we're going to be getting, I, I kind of want to see more uh, Ramos, but I guess we'll get that next issue. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, I loved seeing Peter drawn in pencil, and it reminded me, like, when, it, when the moment after Peter uh, comes, you see Otto, like, skulking around, and he's got these hunched shoulders and looks really menacing, and I'm like, ah, oh, you know, Ramos really knows uh, how to draw, you know, the the physical, like, body contortions that make Otto so pent up with, like, rage and and how scary he is. And we talked about this a little bit with Stegman's work, um, and so it's nice to see that, like, that's consistent with those rigid lines that make up him. And there was an amazing full-page Venom freakout that we got in this where uh, the symbiote is asserting dominance over um, Otto. And I thought that was really just striking page. I've always loved his symbiote work. Yeah, no question. I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. So do you want to, you want to jump to grades Dan? Yeah, let's do it. So Mark, uh, what about, what do you think of this issue overall? Um, I'm going to give it a B plus. I, I, you know, obviously the flaws that I noted 
bring it down a little bit, but this is, you know, this is setting up to be a really entertaining final run of issues of the series. And, you know, so B plus is certainly a good enough representation of that. And uh, the same for me, B plus look at this. We're in, we're in lockstep here. Yeah. It's been a few issues since we, we came completely out of eye on something, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It's all this fighting we've been doing recently, I, you know, by like, by like half a letter. <laughs> <laughs> I say B, you say B plus. No. How about you? Um, well, why don't we move into our, our email and comments from fans, Dan? All right. So, of course, you can always email us at superiorspidertalk at gmail.com. And you can also leave us a comment on our iTunes page, which we really strongly recommend because it's a way that we grow as a podcast and get new people to turn on to our show. And the bigger the community gets, the more content that you guys get. So please make sure you go and do that. Um, one of the things I noticed recently about our comments is that I was only able to read the ones that were coming in from the United States. Um, and so I did a little playing with it, and I realized that you can um, read comments from other countries if you change what country you're living in on iTunes. <laughs> I, oh, oh, Apple. <laughs> uh, because I have nothing better to do with my time. And I found that we had two reviews in Canada that we hadn't read. And so I apologize that we haven't read these before because they're kind of getting, you know, a little dusty. Um, so I thought we'd read them, but... Um, just a note for future shows, if you are an international, or I guess somebody who's not in the United States, um, so you wouldn't be international to you, but uh, if you're not in the United States and you're listening to the show and you want to comment and get it read on the air, we would love for you to do so. We would love to hear from you, but make sure that you shoot us an email at superiorspidertalk at gmail.com saying that you did comment and what country you commented from so that I can access it and read it on the air. Um, so, uh, Mark, why don't you take away our first comment from Canada and tell us what, what it says. You bet. Well, it says a must subscribe, and we got five stars out of five, and this is from uh, Dale C 17 D-A-L-E-S-Y. Um, uh, he or she says, outstanding, listen, a ton of content. They truly know Spider-Man. Except I don't know, uh, well, what do you call it, the no prize, Dan. So, yeah, uh, yeah, you know. Mark, what's going on, buddy? <laughs> He's going to take this back. we got to edit yeah, please, this out. Please don't take this out, Dan, LC17. Uh, he, uh, he or she continues, their analysis of the current series is great. Any criticism is done in a constructive and intelligent way. The Spider-Man comic book flashbacks are awesome if you follow Spider-Man, and this is a must-subscribe. Awesome. Thanks so much for the comment, Dale C 17 I'm going to move into our next comment from Canada. Uh, love the Canucks. Um, I <laughs> I actually got my front tooth punched out when I was in Canada. That's did you were, were you in a Tim Hortons and did you insult somebody? No, it was New Year's and I think I was dancing with someone's girlfriend. Ah, I'm not good for you. I'm not entirely sure, but that's another story for another time. <laughs> uh, so uh, this one's called Well Reasoned Discussion. Five out of five by Fiziko. That's F I Z I K O. And uh, this person says, 
This podcast sounds very professional with relevant and interesting interviews weaved between their conversations. I may not always agree with the conclusions the hosts draw, but I can always understand why they've drawn those conclusions as they detail the supporting evidence behind them every time. I, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah that's, that's yeah. awesome. Uh, it's nice to know that people are like uh, enjoying the sound of the show, and and whether you agree or disagree with us, are still tuning in. So uh, we appreciate your feedback, both Dalesley seventeen and Fiziko from Canada. So you, yeah, you see, Dan, this gives credence to to you being against my idea of just wanting to use two tin cans over a Skype connection to record <laughs> this, right? Yeah, yeah, that was quite a fight you and I had about changing that. Uh, <laughs> next up, I want to. Uh, make uh, an extra special thanks to a listener by the name of Ray Sumser, who uh, made a very generous donation to our, our show via our PayPal account, um, and uh, making him our very first donor to the show. Um, so, you know, the show costs us a fair bit of money to host, you know, and, and keep going and and uh, and keep on the air, and, and, and uh, donations like uh, Ray's, and we haven't uh, advertised us all. He just, out of the kindness of his own heart, sent us uh, some money. Uh, so donations like his is what's going to keep us going for the long term. And uh, I, I don't know about you, Mark, but uh, I, I can't thank him enough for being so kind as to give us some of his hard-earned money. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much, Ray. And you know, um, you know, obviously we 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 don't we don't come on here and beg for money or anything like that. But certainly those donations those donations go a long way in in you know giving us the resources to continue on uninterrupted and you know making sure that we can keep doing what we do every couple of weeks, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Mark, we got a bunch of emails because we've been away for a little while. Uh, why don't you get us started? Again, you can reach our email at superiorspidertalk at gmail.com. Mark, tell me about some of these emails we got. All right. So our first email is, hey, guys, I was just wondering how you felt about the news that Stephen Wacker will be leaving Marvel editorial. He oversaw the thrice monthly Spider-Man during Brand New Day, ushered in the Dan Slott big time era, the Superior era, as well as editing most of Marvel's current crop of critical darlings, Hawkeye, Daredevil and Superior foes. While I personally view this as a big loss, I'd like to hear your thoughts on the future of Spider-Man and other titles. San Stephen Wacker. And this is from our good friend Cass, right? Yep. Um, yeah, you know, and Cass, I think, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, you know, it'll be interesting to see where things go without Wacker. I mean, I know from a personality and internet presence standpoint, he's kind of rubbed some fans the wrong way. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, Wacker was a great editor. He kept all those books during the thrice monthly coming out on time. Yeah, that's unheard uh, of. I mean, so many books have have delays, and 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 to see that happening, I know I was, you know, the the quality of the books aside, they were like, you know, I think all over the place in terms of whether it was excellent or not. I had so much fun during that era. Like a bad book, well, who cares? Because you have another one the next week. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and the thing is, like his. You know, the, the, the reputations of the books he edits, I think that, that, that does reflect on him, you know? I mean, like, you know, Hawkeye is is, is an – you know, and, and Daredevil are like uh, perennial Eisner nominees in terms of, you know, comic books. And they're both – they're great reads to boot. And, and you know, Captain Marvel has its, its really huge fan base. And Superior Foes is probably – you know, talk about an idea on paper that's just like, what the hell is this? And it's a great book. So, uh, yeah, I, I – I, I, I don't want to say I'm worried about the future of Spider-Man, but you know, those are big shoes to fill. And, 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 you know, like you hate to think about these little back office um, rearranging of 
deck chairs having, you know, a potential negative impact on the comic book you read. But, you know, I think it's something to to watch out for. And I hope that Marvel puts a really, you know, strong and intelligent person in, in Wacker's shoes to, to keep to keep the books moving forward. Yeah. And I can't stress enough, like he came in in the brand new day era and managed to swing that into something you know that fans are not and most at least most fans are not still like continually outraged over faster than i think than even they uh suspected it would take to undo the backlash so um you know he's been a great guy and i, I want to wish him the best of luck as he moves to the west to join marvel animation because again it, I, like mark said i think a big loss um for the spider-man community yeah, definitely. So what else, what other email we got there? Okay, the next email says, Love the show. Just started listening to the intelligent discussion, interesting topics, and fantastic production. Uh, that will keep me coming back each week. Uh, the question I have for the show is, which is the worst movie? Daredevil <laughs> or Spider-Man 3? Mark, what are your thoughts? I am going to say Daredevil. Really? Because I, I, as much as I detest Spider-Man 3... But to me, like, Daredevil is such a great character. I mean, he's probably the one Marvel character underneath Spider-Man that I, I really love. And, you know, like, that movie just should have been so much better. Like, like, like it, just, it just missed the mark. Um, you know, like, it, it just needed, it needed some smarter people behind it. Whereas Spider-Man 3, you, you know, like, the, the, the problems of it were kind of, a, you, you kind of knew going into it. It's like you saw a lot of, you know, there could be a lot of villains, too many subplots. Um, you know, I as much as I loved Spider-Man 2, I was never really uh, sold on the on the um, actor uh, chemistry between Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst. Um, so while it was a huge disappointment, I, I wasn't not... You know, it wasn't totally unexpected. Whereas Daredevil, like, it just should have been so much better. I'm actually really excited that they're going to do this Netflix series with Daredevil because I really hope this is their opportunity to correct what they did with that movie. What about you? Well, I'm very excited about the Netflix series. And just to give Tyler uh, a less conclusive answer, I'm going to say <laughs> Spider-Man 3 is the worst of the movies. Um, I've actually watched the Daredevil director's cut, and I think it's a, a fairly a few steps higher than the theatrical one that we saw. And I think there's a lot of things that they get right of the character in there. And, um, and I, I think it's a, it's a decent, you know, you have to remember the daredevil movie came out right after like the first X-Men movie. So it was one of the first for forays into, um, like the superhero movie genre and Spider-Man was amongst them. And I have my problems with Spider-Man one actually. Um, but after Spider-Man 2, which I think is I think is probably my favorite superhero movie, even more than the Batman films, um, although I think they're probably better pieces of art, uh, I think Spider-Man 3 is such a huge letdown in ways that I couldn't have predicted. Because there were all the things you mentioned that like had me worried, but there are things in that that I think go against the core of the character and uh, how the character was even shown in the prior movies that really upset me, like... The undoing of Uncle Ben's death um, by the hands of the burglar, mm. um, you know, Peter hitting Mary Jane, uh, even if it is taken out of the Clone Saga era. Um, <laughs> there's so many things. Uh, Peter crying over San- like over like uh, the death of the Green Goblin, and then forgiving the Sandman as he just 
vanishes into the, what the hell was that? I, I mean, I could go on all day. There are so many things in that movie that uh, that I really dislike, um, and I think the number one thing being just how they portrayed Peter Parker as a person. Um, no, and we will always have two things to remember: Spider Man Three by Toby, uh, not uh, what's his name, uh, Topher Grace's Frost, uh, Frosted Tips. And Spider-Man disco dancing. And Gwen Stacy randomly being in it. I mean, there are, right. yeah, disco dancing cannot be forgotten. And I get it. They were trying to do the opposite of the raindrops are falling on my head sequence from Spider-Man 2 that is so genius. But right. I don't know. Like, I can forgive Daredevil, like, a little more because at least it tried to get the character right. And it mm. had a, mar- you know, marginally succeeded, I think. And I think Spider-Man 3 is, like, watching... It's not watching Spider-Man. It's watching somebody else parading around in the costume of Spider-Man. And there's just all this jingoism in it of Spider-Man is an American hero that props up in all those movies. But it said it's worst in that one. It's even in the new Amazing Spider-Man movie where it's like, yeah, Spider-Man. He's an American hero and the people of Manhattan support him. <laughs> it's like, what? You don't, even, uh. you don't get this character at all. <laughs> I, I, I really believe that um, Avi Arad does not understand Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 is this weird fluke where, uh, you know, they were able to get everything right and pass the producer. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> Spider-Man 3, not a favorite movie of mine in the least. Apparently not. All right. Well, let's let's move on to some more email. We have, um, hey, guys, given Dan Slott's willingness to incorporate elements of reviled stories like the Clone Saga, do you think he will be pulling anything from Sin's past for Goblin Nation? I personally detest the story, but Marvel seems to have gone out of its way to not retcon the whole situation away. I don't know. Either way, great show, guys. I'm looking forward to new episodes. And this is from Zach uh, Sobzak, I think. And I said that wrong. I apologize. Um, uh, since past Dan, you go first on this one. You know, um, I don't actually think we'll get any comments about, like, you know, the Gwen, um, Norman having sex thing. Uh, I think that that's a little too heavy for the story and writing style of slot to bring something like that up. And the fact that we haven't seen it get brought, if it is Norman Osborne we're dealing here with here. Which, I mean, if he doesn't make an appearance in some way, I would be surprised, um, even if he's not the Green Goblin. Mm. Um, I don't see him taunting Otto with that because I don't know that it would necessarily reflect on Otto in any way. But I wouldn't be surprised if Gabriel Stacy showed up at some point in whatever the American Sun armor. Um, I mean, I'm not looking forward to it happening, and I kind of wish it didn't exist. But I wouldn't be surprised if it showed up. I don't know, Mark. What are your What are your thoughts? Well, I was actually going to say, like, you know, I, I think if anything gets referenced, yeah, it would be Gabriel Stacy. But you know, part of me wonders. You know, we've been having all these other goblins um, from you know the past decade or so, you know, showing up like Menace and 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 you know. So part of me is like, wouldn't he be part of the Goblin Army by now if he was going to be involved? Uh, unless he is the Green Goblin, which I'm not changing my answer, but uh, <laughs> so so that's the thing. I kind of feel like if we were going to get some some uh, Gabriel Stacy action, I feel like we would have gotten it by now. Yeah, you're probably right. But an, an interesting idea, Zach. I, I I don't know. I'm not going to be surprised if it shows up, but I'm not counting on it. And just and just so we're clear, um, I think since past is is like you know. A, a sin against mankind. So uh, that's just my stance on the story. <laughs> Maybe Slot feels the same way. 
I hope so. <laughs> All right. The next email uh, says, around when Carly was kidnapped, I started to become very worried that Slot was going to use her death as Otto's failure that would ultimately prove that he was inferior. The cover with Anna Maria being the last chess piece left only has chess piece, I mean, left has only caused these concerns to grow. The events of Superior Spider-Man number 24 kind of have me convinced it's going to happen. I personally think Gail Simone's Women in Refrigerators should be mandatory reading for all comic fans. So I may be biased, but I think that this would be a huge mistake. Given Slot's iffy use of female characters, how concerned are you about him fridging one of the women? This is from our good friend Alton Labreck. Um... Mark, do you know much about this refrigerator uh, theory or refrigerator um, piece of writing from Gail Simone? Oh, yeah. Well, this is just basically the theory um, that, you know, all women or not all women, but a lot of women are used in comic books um, basically to be killed off or to be, you know, something horrible happening to them in order to advance the story of men. And, and, and the women in refrigerators thing, I, I believe, comes from a Green Lantern comment. A comic where Hal uh, Jordan literally finds his girlfriend dead in a refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, and, and, and obviously the larger point is that you know, like, it, it, why why is it always the you know the women that get kind of sacrificed to to advance the men's story? You know, um, and you know we talked about this in in our other podcasts in terms of how women are portrayed in, in comics and in Spider Man specifically. Um, yeah, no, and it's a definite concern of mine. I mean, like, you know, like. It's it's the the one thing is you know like if something were to happen to Anna Maria it would obviously be used to parallel Gwen Stacy I, you know Gwen is the original woman woman in the refrigerator so while it yeah there's an artistic parallel does that make it a good thing and I I don't know if it's a good thing I don't think you know I think we're in 2014 you know even if it's a parallel artistically we shouldn't you know w- women characters need to be written stronger than that you know if 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 Otto if Otto needs to have something cruel and terrible happen to advance his story why does it have to be Anna Maria was she invented solely for this purpose is the question yeah and that would be really unfortunate I would expect more from slot but at the same time does that mean that he can never use that storyline that's a good point. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I know. Mean, I mean, it, the, the question is, was she invented just for this purpose? Um, and when I think about these things, I like to think about, have you read Pet Cemetery by any chance? I haven't, but I, I'm from, actually, no, I have read Pet Cemetery a very long time ago. By but, Stephen King, yeah. yeah. There's this uh, a child in that story like that lives in with the main character. It's his son, and mm-hmm. the son is always playing in the front yard, and he lives right on the edge of this road that's heavily trafficked by trucks. And the the book is constantly referring to how fast these trucks are going by. And the whole reason to invent the child, I think, is almost purely to murder him in the most horrible way um, by getting hit by a truck. Um, and it builds up the, how much you love this child just so that it can really sink its teeth into you later in the story. And, and it's necessary for Pet Cemetery to work as a narrative, but I always think about that whenever I think of things. It's, was Anna Maria invented just to give us that moment? Um, I don't know. She's been well-written so far, so I would be willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, but it is a shame that so many writers fall back on this as a crutch. Yeah, exactly. You could, I couldn't say it better myself. 
Um, moving on to the next one. Happy belated holiday, guys. Same to you. Uh, for Christmas this year, I got my first double-digit Amazing Spider-Man books. I got issues number 22, 26, 41, 63, and 64. Did you guys add anything new to your collections? Thanks for the time, and as always, awesome show. And this is from Clint. Well, congratulations, Clint. Uh, those are some nice issues you picked up there. Yeah, definitely a nice haul. Um, to to paraphrase uh, Dan Slott, uh, I'm just going to say I can't comment on any new issues I've gotten any further. I didn't get anything. I was expecting to get a number one, Amazing Spider-Man number one, uh, and not the one from the late 90s, uh, mind you. But uh, the woman that I was making the deal with, we we agreed. I met up with her, and then she jumped the price six $6,000 on me out of nowhere and kind of got cold feet about the deal. And so I wasn't able to make the deal, much to my disappointment. And uh, I know I was telling you about this, Mark. And uh, I was really bummed about it. But for another day, I will get a number one at some point. Sounds good. Well, let's, you know, let's, let's, what wish you luck on that quest, right, Dan? <laughs> Thanks, Mark. <laughs> so what's your last uh, comment here, our last email here? Okay, the last one is actually a, a pretty good topic to, to address. Uh, this uh, email says, are you guys going to continue with the podcast once Amazing is back? If not, before you go, you should do issue the first six issues of Superior to say goodbye since you haven't done them. And this one is from Brennan Gallagher. Um, Mark, are we canceling the podcast? Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll get replaced by Peter David or Matt Fraction. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. We're Superior Spider Talk will will continue, and we will continue with the name Superior Spider Talk because we named it Superior Spider Talk not because of Superior Spider Man, but because we are Spider. We are a podcast that talks about Spider Man in a superior fashion. Don't you think, Dan? That was my original intent. Yes. So yes. we are not going anywhere. We are going to be here with our name. We are not what well, we could renumber and start with a number one with amazing if we really wanted to but i don't plan on doing that we're keeping up with the superior title and um as for reviewing the first six issues of superior we'll probably do like a wrap-up issue of all of superior and give you our thoughts on those um when we do our wrap-up yeah I, I i'm with you i mean the other thing i've actually you know dan not to not to jump you with a surprise because i don't think we talked about this in our in our lead up here but um you know, at some point, you know, it would be interesting to actually talk to you about 700. Yes. Um, just because, you know, we had not talked about that. I mean, I, I believe we probably communicated about it on Twitter or um, on Chasing Amazing many, many moons ago. But, you know, like, I think that's that's probably going to be an interesting issue to revisit um, once this is all wrapped up. Yeah, but, so um, put a pin on that, and I, I think that's yeah. a, gr- a good idea. Let's yeah. move on to the future now with some spider news. Our life together is so precious Together we have grown We have grown Although our love is still special Let's take a chance and fly away yeah. Um, 
Anything interesting happened lately, Dan? No, not not really. I, I, maybe we could actually skip this segment. We could just move on. Yeah, okay. Um, no! Amazing Spider-Man is back in April, Dan. <laughs> what? It's, it's, it's all new and now. Marvel now. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Is it, is, it, is it all new Marvel now? It's all new Marvel now. And get this. They killed Peter Parker in Amazing Spider-Man 700, but he wasn't actually dead. He's gonna come back somehow. Why did I? Why did I? You know, put forward such rage and death threats to Dan Slott. I never. I, I. I couldn't see this coming. Um, oh, I feel so guilty and bad about my hatred and dropping of the book. Uh. <laughs> exactly, because you know, like every character who's ever been killed in a comic book always stays dead. I know. I, mean, I know that was my it, point, Mark. You know, I mean, it's 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 everybody stays dead except for Uncle Ben. Oh, man. Um, but anyway, <laughs> on a serious note, I will say, while this wasn't completely unexpected, there was a part of me, Dan, and maybe I'm just being overly nitpicky, that kind of was hoping that Marvel and Dan Slott would keep would find a way to keep the story going, the superior story going, even past the movie. It's like you know. It seems like everybody was saying, "Oh, May Spider-Man number two is coming out uh, in in you know next summer. Peter Parker will be back before then." And and you know, there's part of me saying, you know, with everybody saying that, I bet you they'll play with that a little bit. But you know, no, it's it's April. Spider-Man two comes out in May, um, so no shock. And the first villain is going to be Electro, which is who's the villain in the Spider-Man movie. So clearly. They're just trying to tie this all in. Mark, uh, was your part-time job as a, at the zoo as a, as a troll feeder? How so? <laughs> because I think that you're, you want it to continue past the movie just to feed into the trolls. I, I you know, kind of wanted to see the, the, the cranky parts of the internet, as I like to call them, just totally go into meltdown mode as like solicitations kept coming out past May. For Superior Spider-Man, but, you know, alas, that doesn't seem to be the case. Well, I don't know about you, Mark, but I'm really excited about this. I'm ready for some Peter Parker back in my comics. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've been building to this for some time, and as much as I've enjoyed Superior... I'm enjoying Peter, although we're going to get him with a twist, apparently. And, and you know, now it's anybody's game about what the twist is going to be, right? Yep, yep. And I have my kind of theories. Uh, I, I don't know. We'll get to those in a little bit. But um, it was interesting how this, like, came out because it was, like, leaked. And then I didn't know whether to believe it or not because the image, which is, should be down in your player right now, um, you know, has... Peter Parker with his mask off, and it's a beautiful Humberto Ramos image, but there's like a slight line around Peter that I was like, oh, is this cropped in Photoshop from somewhere else? I didn't know whether to believe it at first, and then we got like a day later the Marvel confirmation. Yeah, and and, and Slot has kind of gone on the on the on a press tour about it. Um, I mean, we could talk about some other uh, rumors associated. I mean, first of all, um, you know, it's one of the things that Slot has been very cagey about in interviews is about um, there possibly being a second Spidey book that that is kind of concurrent and, and, and ties into this one. And I don't think in the in the way that Superior and Superior team up tie in, I mean, almost kind of like a Spider-Man book 1A and 1B. 
Um, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I read the Bleeding Cool article on this uh, where they had all these different speculations. And those guys have been about 50-50 on whether they get things right or not. So I find it – I always approach these things with a bit of skepticism. Um, do I think that Dr. Octopus Spider-Man or whatever is going to be running around – I honestly don't know. We'd still have that missing corpse of Dr. Octopus out there somewhere. Um, and very well, that could feed into your thoughts about the hand resurrecting him one more time. Um, <laughs> it all comes back to the hand, Dan. Yes, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very well aware of that. Um, but I would love to see a Peter David 2099 um, book. I mean, they gave Miguel O'Hara such a, a rich backstory. You know, he's got a job. He, you know... He's he's got a, a secret identity. I mean, it almost seems like it's a perfect setup for another series to launch forward from this. And if you look at the covers for the Goblin Nation stuff, there's a lot of Miguel O'Hara in that. So I wonder maybe if I mean, a Peter David Miguel O'Hara would be pretty great, I think. At least I'd be interested in checking out and seeing whether he's still got that character under his belt. Um, yeah, I mean, when when I spoke to Peter at New York Comic Con, he definitely seemed interested in doing it. I personally would think that's a wonderful thing. I mean, not so much because, you know, not not as a slap to Dan Slot because I think he's done a great job and he should continue working on Spider Man uh, in in as you know lead writer. But I, I I would like to see someone on a on a second Spider Man book that kind of comes with the same amount of clout and 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 history that Dan Slot has. I mean, nothing against the the likes of. Chris Yost or Kevin Shinnick or some of the other people over the years who've worked on the the team up in avenging Spider-Man books. But, you know, like those books have all kind of felt very um, Dan Slot eyesed uh, in terms of, of vision and, and, you know, how like one doesn't feed into the other unless, you know, Dan Slot's at, you know, OK with it, essentially. And and I, I would kind of like to see someone you know, a writer who's got real chops who, who you know, can carry a book on his name, uh, just just work on this character again. And certainly Peter David or Matt Fraction, who's the other name that got thrown out there, would, would, would be those would be that writer. Right. Yeah, I think it's an odd like Matt Fraction. I would love to see. But I don't know where this guy like I mean, he's isn't he kind of taking a break from Marvel anyway? Um, but he's got Hawkeye still going like. I don't know where yeah. he fits into this whole thing. It seems like a strange thing for him to take on a B-level book. Yeah, um, I mean, the only thing that that occurs to me is maybe because you know he got you know he left, or however you want to interpret it, he's no longer writing the Inhuman series. Um, that's been delayed um, because of artistic differences, and maybe this was like the bone they threw his way. Is you know you can write Spider-Man, and who would say no to Spider-Man unless you really didn't like Spider-Man, but Matt Fraction certainly has done some Spider-Man work and has seems seems passionate about it. That sensational annual with him and MJ is a really great story, so um, why not, right? <laughs> yeah, and um, just to give this any kind of like credibility, um, th- you can go to this link, which I'll put in the podcast right here, um, to an IGN interview where they, uh, they asked Dan Slott, uh, quote-unquote, uh, structurally, is this going to be similar to what you've been doing in the past where the series comes out twice a month and you have a rotating crew of artists? And Dan Slott answered, you're going to have to wait and see. And then he laughed and said, I'm not going to spoil things. We've got some surprises coming up. So whether that means a new artist now that Stegman's not around or if it means new writers or new series, I don't know if that's anybody's guess, but it seems like something is going to happen. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I, you know, and you know, I, I'm I'm intrigued, and you know, we we know about this digital comic, which we'll get to in a minute. But I don't think that's it either. Um, I think that, that yeah, we're going to have some real surprises here with with the stories. Um, you know, if hey, just out of curiosity, if it is Otto still running around somehow, what, what what's your reaction to that, Dan? I mean, I guess I would check it out, but I mean, I would definitely check it out, but. I personally want Otto to bite it. Like, I feel like he needs to have a moment, a hero moment, or some kind of moment to, like, end this thing and make a definitive point. I mean, what a way to kill a character, you know? Like, what, what a way to, like, really define his role as a villain than to have him go out in some kind of, you know, in, uh, way. I, now, I'm a little skeptical about them doing that because he's become a beloved character through this series. But I don't know. I don't really know that I, there's a lot more I want to read about Dr. Octopus. Like, I've gotten to know him. I know how he works. I'm kind of ready for him to make a, like a really uh, big moment or big splash in Spider-Man's life other than him being like a costumed villain. Yeah. I mean, this this whole thing kind of, you know, through his success and then ultimate failure um, kind of feels like the final act of Doc Ock's life. It, it, it's always, That's always how I've kind of anticipated it as not because i need or want or desire to see him dead but like you know this is you know the the the, the final nefarious plan and that this was kind of what slot's been building up since asm 600 um so uh, you know from a, from an artistic standpoint i think this has to be the end but, yeah and i know, know i know we have listeners who say they're going to not read the book anymore once peter's back and well, just that's like, just as silly as the people who said they were going to leave, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, yeah, you should read it because Peter's – this book has always been about Peter, even with Doc yeah. Ock. So, yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. I'm ready You've for him plen- to go. Exactly. Um, but um, do you want to talk about this um, this infinite title, this internet title, Dan? Well, I, let's get back to this um, IGN article because I think oh, sure. I think there's something else in that article that you and I found interesting. Okay. Do you want well, yeah. to take it away? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. I mean, there was a, co- a question from IGN about um, uh, stuff that uh, the the writer was most interested in seeing. And one of the things he asked is, Parker Industries still going to be around? Is Anna Maria still going to be around? And Dan Slott uh, responds, Jesse, those are great questions. Something that's killing me is turning in another script and going, oh, no, how can I be so cruel and do this or that or the other thing? It's hard. You can't protect everyone. You can't protect all the characters. You can't be precious with Peter. You can't be precious with the things that he loves. And the same thing goes with Otto. Part of reading comics is the escape and to have fun. But if we're precious with everything and we don't allow the toys to get broken, everything's too easy. Bad things happen to good people. How can we cope with that and how do we deal with what makes it is what makes that how we cope with that and how we deal with that makes us better people in the real world. Everything doesn't go great with us in the real world and everything shouldn't go great with the characters either. They should be a reflection. Every comic shouldn't be 20 pages of Charlie Brown kicking the football. So, I so uh, mean, Dan Slott is the master salesman and, and hype machine. Um, but to me, this stood out because we were talking about Anna Maria dying, and his direct, this is his direct answer to that. It seems to me that he's at least teasing the idea that Anna Maria is going to perish. Um, so I thought yeah. that was worth noting. Yeah. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that with, with Alton's question earlier. So, I mean, I hope that's not the case. But, you know, it seems to be that, you know, this either way, the status quo is going to be shaken up again, it sounds like. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about this infinite title, um, Amazing Spider-Man, Who Am I? 
by Josh Fialkov um, with, with Slot's consultation. What did you make of this re- this news piece? Well, they're talking about this being it's going to be an amnesia angle. It's it's you know an internet only or, or a digital app. Uh, you know, probably through the Marvel app. Uh, series which is cool it's you know this is where things are headed so you know they might as well try this out which is what kind of makes me think you know i know there was some speculation from you dan about this amnesia angle that you know peter parker is going to be you know the way the this the series is being pitched is peter parker's in the middle of a or spider-man is in the middle of a bank robbery he doesn't know that he's peter parker and this series through 13 issues is going to follow you know his understanding of what it means to be spider-man what it means to be a hero etc yeah, um, like he he doesn't. It, it says in the thing that he does not have a memory of the major people and events that made him become a hero. And the question is whether he'll naturally move towards being a good guy or whether he'll act selfishly as he did when he first got his powers. So my thought was, and we saw in issue number nine of Superior, all of his memories get murdered in front of his face. You know, Uncle Ben getting wiped, even his own name. If we get Peter Parker back, to what degree does he maintain the memories that were already wiped? Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, and the only challenge I have with that is, I mean, you know, that ghost Peter that we saw didn't seem to have an amnesia problem. And granted, that's not the physical embodiment of Spider-Man, but... I don't know. Like a part of me thinks that because this is a digital series, that this this is probably just going to be a bit of an experiment in terms of how they tell a story. Yeah. Uh, so I I just don't think that this that they would that slot would be so cagey as to not to reveal all the circumstances behind the reboot of ASM and then have this article come out and have that be what this actual spoiler is. I mean, maybe they play with that angle a bit in the main Spider-Man book, but I, I just I think these are going to be separate. I think this is almost going to be kind of like, you know, what that family matters story is going to be with uh, that original graphic novel that's supposed to come out later this year, Dan. I, it's, you know, kind of it's an evergreen. It's its own thing. I don't know. That's my thought. Yeah, and I, I don't know for sure, but I thought it was interesting because I do think it is an interesting angle to take, you know, this idea that like, you know, we had Otto proving like whether or not he is capable of taking on great power, great responsibility, and being a hero. Can Peter, you know, can Peter prove that it is truly he that makes Spider-Man Spider-Man? You know, um, more so than even his memories. Um, I don't know. That's an interesting angle. Whether or not that's the one that he takes with it. Um, so yeah. I thought worth picking up. We also got a solicit for a new Superior Spider-Man team-up in April. What what made that interesting to you, Mark? Well, um, it seems like the, the next batch of uh, team-up issues, we're going to have this two-parter um, this uh, in January and in February from uh, Kevin Shinnick that seems to be kind of a, a Daredevil Punisher team-up against Goblin that ties into Goblin Nation. But then uh, the, the, the next two issues are going to almost be like these flashback issues. One is going to be a Doc Ock Green Goblin team-up. And then the April solicitation, which, you know, the, the month that Amazing is coming back, we're going to get a um, Spider-Man, Doc Ock team up. Now, granted, you know we could we they could very easily um, you know retcon some story where you know the two of them were unwilling partners, but you know they did together to get the job done. But that to me, uh, it made me wonder if you know the two of them working together is what's going to drive the end of the Superior Era, which would of course would be a way to redeem Otto to a point where people might want to see him still running around. 
Uh, thoughts on that? I don't know. Those are my those were my exact thoughts on it. So yeah, um, yeah. I'm right in lockstep with you about whether or not we think that this is where this is headed. Uh, I will say that I I do hope you know obviously if Superior is ending, um, you know there are certain titles that are connected with the Superior branding that I that I hope don't um, go the way of the dodo. Most notably, Superior Foes of Spider Man. Um, you know, like I I know that Marvel. Has this ten? Well, not not just Marvel. All of the comic book companies have this tendency to kind of reboot and restart and cancel series after a limited run of issues. But like this is this is a series I think this needs to keep going until it officially runs out of steam, right? Yeah, I agree. Although I've never been a fan of the title of that book. Um, yeah. So, but it should just it should be the boomerang show with with you know cameos from Beetle and, and Speed Demon, you know, like Superior <laughs> Five or whatever it is. Uh, I I don't I don't know, but um, yeah, I hope that book is not canceled because it's one of my favorites, as we've alluded to in the past. All right. Well, speaking of past, why don't we talk about some some past favorite issues of ours, Dan? Absolutely. Dan and I, uh, it's kind of a postscript to all the Venom talk we've done over the past month, um, that we would talk about two key issues from our collections, um, because both of them uh, were released very early on in our uh, collecting and, and reading days, and, and both of them star Venom, and, you know, they're significant and fun issues that I've written about on Chasing, and we've talked about in the past, but, you know, rather than do a full-fledged discussion, we thought we'd talk a little bit about the personal meaning, Um I'm going to talk about Amazing Spider-Man 300, uh, and Dan's going to talk about Amazing Spider-Man 375. I mean, obviously, we'll offer each other some feedback, but um, yeah, it's kind of funny how Venom played into our lives, Dan, right? Yeah, yeah. He's kind of the inception of both of our loves for the Spider-Man character. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, for me, Amazing Spider-Man 300, as I've noted uh, a bunch of times on Chasing Amazing, is kind of like the you know the patient zero of Spider-Man comics for me in terms of you know creating this love. It's, it wasn't the very first comic that I bought, but I believe it's the third Spider-Man comic I bought. I started with 296 and 297, and then for whatever reason skipped 298 and 299. So I missed the first two chapters of the Todd McFarlane era. Uh, but 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 came on board just in time to grab Amazing Spider-Man number 300 off the spinner rack, uh, which is um, the the first full appearance of Venom. Um, he does make cameos in 298 and 299. But uh, this is just kind of like a mind blowing uh, issue for me because this this really taught me like what what comics could be, what superhero comics could be. Because I mean between the just the overall outrageousness of the Venom character and McFarlane's just in-your-face art. I loved McFarlane's art as a kid. I still love it, although I wonder if it's just because I'm looking at it with, with nostalgia. Um, because, you know, like a lot of his contemporaries like Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee and stuff, I think, you know, when I talk about them on, on Gimmick or Good, I kind of 
you know, diss the art as being very stylized and posy and, you know, like, you know, people are just, they just drew these characters to look like, you know, action sequences for posters and t-shirts, which is certainly can be the case for Venom in, in, in sections of this issue. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those stories where, you know, I'll, I'll look back, I'll, I'll read it again and again and again. And, you know, I recognize, I think every, as more time passes, I recognize more in the flaws and the script and how it's structured. And, you know, they kind of drag on some origin stuff for, for the symbiote and for Eddie uh, that, that kind of like drives it. But this is, to me, this was like what big event comics should be, you know, like this is, you know, Marvel wanted to do something very special for the 300th issue, as we noted with Jim Salakrup when we interviewed him on Spider Talk. Um, and and he uh, this this issue I feel delivered in every way. I mean, what, what's what's your take on this issue, Dan? Yeah, I I got my first uh, copy of 300 about three years ago, um, and I you know from the cover on, it's just a really like beautifully rendered uh, issue, and uh, you know it, it is I think the first like a maybe modern villain that like has really hung around. Or has really had a fully fleshed out backstory at its inception. Now, I mean, Eddie Brock came out of pr- practically nowhere, but you know, you could get a sense of what compelled this character and its anger and villainy from the get-go. It wasn't just uh, this person got powers and suddenly, you know, decided to rob banks for whatever reason, or has a weird infrastructure of henchmen. From nowhere, you got Venom and how he worked all in one issue, um, and what would make him a compelling character moving onward from then on, straight away, and, and and that's a rare thing I think, in comic books in general that out of nowhere can come a character so f- fully fleshed out. And obviously, Venom would change over the years, and we'll talk about that when we get to my issue. But um, but yeah, it's, it's striking for that reason, and also, man, the return of the Reds. Uh, oh know, yeah, that's, that's not to be forgotten. Um, of course, and, and I mean, there's there's a lot of great Peter and MJ stuff in this. I mean, you know, they they had been married for a number of issues at this point, but like I felt like um, the, the McFarlane Michelinie run. I mean, there were some kind of dud stories along the way, like you know, the 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 Caesar uh, was a Caesar Romano or the, the 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 fashion person who stalked MJ and kidnapped her that were it was kinda lame, but I do feel like as a creative team they they there was a real energy to their coupling and the fact that she comes out with that suit at the end. It's like, you know, it's both it's 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 a f- uh, pump your fist moment as a fan but it's also like it's kind of a really sexy moment too uh with him and mj you know like it's like hey look what i got here um you know i i always appreciate it there's also that scene earlier in the issue where uh he's taking photos of mj and she's like oh let me give you something really to take to lift your spirits which was you know implied uh, <laughs> so um you know good times uh, <laughs> i wonder if this issue is uh jms's favorite issue because i feel like so many of his stories run uh you know right along parallel lines with this issue in terms of you know invent invent a character the relationship between peter and mj like define that character immediately that it's very similar to a lot of his run that i like so much uh so i i don't know i i'd be curious to get his thoughts on on this as well 
Yeah, definitely. Although I don't know if he's in any mood to talk to a podcast anytime soon. No, he's pretty. He's not going to talk to us. Let's just that. <laughs> Fans do not get excited about that because it's not going to happen. I think we'll get Dan Slot on before we get JMS. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, just to kind of backtrack a little bit once more with Venom, um, you know, just kind of adding to what you're saying about the character being fully fleshed out. Um, I think another main big reason why he was so compelling was just because, um, you know, in addition to his anger being well explained and explored, like, you know, this was this, he he went after Peter in ways that, you know, no one since Norman Osborn went after him. I mean, he 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 shows up at MJ's store and, and puts, you know, puts the fear of everything into her. And, and, you know, like as a physical threat, he was just, you know, he was definitely viewed as being a superior to Peter in terms of strength. The fact that the symbiote doesn't trigger the spidey sense. Um, so it really was this badass villain who, you know, seemed, you know, crazy enough that he could cross lines that others dared not cross in the past even, and that's what i think makes venom such a compelling villain because even the green goblin has like a bit of comic booky showmanship to him like he's like i'm not gonna yeah, he did kill gwen but like he didn't know about the relationship at the time like right. he has a line t- that he like draws like oh i respect you as an adversary and as a potential like heir to my throne um like that Venom just doesn't have like he's willing to like go and visit Aunt May on on the weekend you know and and cuddle up close to Peter's family before threatening to do intense damage to them yeah um, it's it, and and that's and that's part of the driver for this issue you're going to get to in a couple seconds but yeah no he, he it's just you know people people deride Venom today for kind of how he was used in the years since and you know w- there were flaws with that and you know we will talk about that briefly but um, to me, like as an intro, as a as a as a seven year old reading this comic, this was a perfect villain introduction to me, and this made Venom an all star for me probably for the rest of my life as a comic book reader. Awesome. Well, I'm going to talk about Amazing Spider-Man number 375, which was a like double sized issue with reprints in the back. And uh, am I correct about that? Yes. Yes, and gold foil, right? Gold foil on the cover. It was uh, the 30th anniversary of Spider-Man, big extra bonanza issue. Um, you know, how can you forget that Mark Bagley cover? Um, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, um, it is one of those few um, gimmick covers that I think like lives up. Like the cover is actually striking, and not just this like mismatch of ugly. Um, just powering it through. I don't know, Mark. Maybe you should do this for your gimmick or good at some point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, th- I, I should definitely consider it, although, you know. You did just probably, write about it. I did just write about it on Chasing, so I'll, I'll, I'll give it a few months before I harass Brian Cronin. That comic should be good. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, anyway, so, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that you were seven when you read 300 because I was seven, which I guess will tell you a little bit about how old both Mark and I are. <laughs> um, when I read um, Amazing Spider-Man number 375, and um, at this point in my life, I think I had read other comics that my uh, my best friend owned. We would go into his basement and dig up his older brother's comics and read them, which I'm sure made his older brother really happy. Um, <laughs> and, but I was more interested in, like, the card collections at the time. Did you ever collect any of these, like the Marvel Masterpieces or, like, the Fleer Ultra 
I just collected baseball cards until I started collecting comics, ah. and I still, you know, and I did them both concurrently for a while. But that's, you know, I like sports, so that's that's my that's my vice. Yeah, my my <laughs> brothers would buy the baseball cards, but I was the comic book cards guy, and um, I there was a Spider Man series of cards that I had gotten, and you know, I I really love the character, but I'm not necessarily sure what it was that was the draw of the character for me because I had not really read many comics with him in it. I I, I like the cards. So my father, who was a pediatrician, used to take me to the hospital with him all the time in order to get his work done. And he took me to this store called Twilight Zone Comics in uh, Glen Burnie, Maryland, where actually I still buy my comic books this day. And, um, I, you know, we just picked up a comic to keep me busy. And, and this is the one. I remember picking it up because of the gold cover. So those gimmicks actually do work um, to Marvel's credit, I guess. Um, they made a lifelong fan out of a gold piece of gold uh, Covering, um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and uh, and and you know, there's not nothing to be said about the artwork of Mark Bagley. You know, like it's awesome. Um, and and looking back at this issue, this is kind of the almost like one of the ultimate issues to like learn about Spider-Man during because um, you get to know about all of his major relationships in this issue, um, how all of his powers work because he uses all of them on Venom, uh, even the Spider Tracers. And um, you get to everything you could possibly want to know about about Venom as well. You know how his suit works. You know he's afraid of fire. How the spider sense doesn't you know trigger. You know everything about his relationship to Spider-Man too. Um, in their big drag-out fight, and it also has those backup issues where it shows, you know, a, like basically a retelling of Amazing Spider-Man number one and some of the origin story. So you basically get everything you could know about Spider-Man in one issue. Um, this is like the ultimate like first issue, I think, um, and a great way to get me into the character. And I reread this thing a million times and basically wore it out to the point that now I've bought this issue over five times. And uh, to this day, I think it's one of the best art ever done with Venom and one of the best Spider-Man battles. Uh, you know, I continually reread this to look at how Bagley draws um, – both Spider-Man, but also like Venom's symbiote and how it wraps around his head and forms his face in a creepy way. And, and he uses it to suffocate Spider-Man and the splinters of the wood as he punches him through this abandoned amusement park. I think this is one of Bagley's best fight sequences he's ever rendered, even if it does include a weird appearance from Wild Pack at one point. Yeah, no, definitely. But I mean, Venom is def Bagley's Venom is definitely awesome. I I just love what ba- I mean. Bagley in general was awesome, but I felt like he really um, had a special uh, artistic bond with Venom. I mean, I think his was probably I think his was even better Venom than um than McFarlane's, and I love McFarlane's Venom. But um, you know, I I love this issue a lot. I love this whole two part story with with Venom and Peter's parents. I mean, you know, I, I had recently written about this on Chasing, and you know, my my criticism of it, if anything, was more about the aftermath of it, which was that, you know, I felt like you know we were at the point where you know Venom was such a popular character that you know Marvel felt compelled to you know build a series around him, but they weren't in the in, you know weren't in the business of i guess doing series around villains so they had to kind of make him into this tweener anti-hero um and i felt like you know that kind of led to the overexposure of the character that turned a lot of other fans against him and it also didn't produce i feel very good stories like that lethal protector miniseries to me i just have no use for um and some of the other subsequent venom miniseries and you really didn't have um a really great spider-man story in the pages of asm or or any of the titles until almost 10 years later i feel when paul jenkins kind of came in and, and with ramos but 
Um, yeah, I, it's, I, I could tell, you know, I could totally understand why you would be attracted to this comic as a kid, Dan, and why it would have such an influence. Cause I mean, you know, kind of the years later when it came out, this was almost like kind of the start of the second wave of my Spider-Man buying was when this issue came out. So I, I'm right there with you on that. Very cool. Very cool. Well, let's say goodbye, Mark. Um, so, guys, it's the time to wind up our time together of this extra-large episode. Of course, you can find all of our Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.podomatic.com, at least for a little while. We might be changing that soon, but you can always find us on iTunes by searching for Superior Spider Talk. And if you do, like we said earlier, please leave a rating and comment to let us know how we're doing, and we'll read it on the air. And if you're from... Somewhere that's not the U.S., make sure you shoot us that email. If you guys have any opinions on these comics or any questions, you can email them to us at superiorspidertalk at gmail.com. And as always, we're going to address and read them on the air. Yes, and please be sure to check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash superiorspidertalk because it is actually a great place to keep up with us in between shows as we often put up articles that we've written and other breaking news about the Spider-Man universe and how to get in touch with us. Well, uh, Mark, I have a pretty special announcement to make today about uh, the podcast and the Internet, maybe, in general. Oh, I'm excited. Do tell. Yes. Well, uh, and, you, and you are privy to this, but uh, thank you for <laughs> your, your feigned ignorance. Um, I am announcing today, and you can go and visit the website right now, superiorspidertalk.com. Uh, all one word, no hyphens, just Superior Spider Talk. Dot com, my brand new website uh, for hosting the website, uh, the podcast. But not just that, we're going to have reviews, news, all of the spidey stuff that hits the internet will be relayed through this website. It is your new hotspot downtown place to check out Spider Man stuff and the sister site to your site, Mark. They're chasing amazing, if you want to say that. Um, yes, it is It is your daily grind to my coffee bean. Yes, exactly. You're going to be the artist, and I'm going to be the the weird J. Jonah Jameson hack getting uh, our news out there. <laughs> um, but check it out, guys. Um, all the podcasts are going to be hosted through there. You can watch them as large video files on the site. And, um, and if you don't have an, I, an iPod and you're trying to get all the, the video content that we're providing, there's going to be great reviews from a number of different writers, not just myself. Um, and if you're interested in joining the team, shoot me an email at superiorspidertalk at gmail.com and maybe we can work something out and get you to get your own writing on the site. Um, and alongside that comes our new Twitter account to reach uh, Mark and I and the podcast. If you want to ask us questions, you can do so there. And the Twitter is at Sup Spider Talk, um, which is also kind of uh, one. It's funny because well, you get it, you get the joke. I don't have to explain. I it. get it. Sup <laughs> Sup Spider Talk. That's S U P Spider Talk. Um, so hit us up on Twitter. So, Sounds very uh, exciting. Of hitting us up. Uh, Mark, where can we find you on the internet? Well, yes. Well, uh, of course, you can always find me at my, my home site, which is www.chasingamazingblog.com. You can finally find, Lee, find me on Twitter at chasingasmblog. Hit me on Facebook at facebook.com slash chasingamazing. And for non-Spider-Man or you know the occasional Spider-Man stuff, you can find me at gimmick or good on comics should be good. What about you, Dan? 
Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Dan Gavazdin. And you can go to my website, dangavazdin.com, for all of my personal things, I guess, and, uh, and my film work. You can read my movie reviews at grindmyreels.com, uh, which has a bunch of great new content, like my top 10 movies of 2013 and my top 10 overrated movies of 2013, um, which is kind of like my primary job. And if you're in the Baltimore area, I'm launching a brand new screening series at the Creative Alliance um, starting in a month through my magazine I write for, What Weekly. And uh, for all you Spidey fans out there, which I imagine is all of you who are listening to this, I can't say it again or enough, superiorspidertalk.com and at subspideytalk, or up subspidertalk, so I'm already messing this up, on Twitter. So, man, Mark, this might be the first time I actually have more things to say on the internet than you do, whether that's uh, qualified or not. Well, you know, don't get used to it. Uh, <laughs> I'm digging my own grave here. All right. Well, um, have you? It's been a few weeks. Have you had any run-ins with anyone that you should tell me about before we we bid adieu formally, or uh, or are we just you know running out running out the clock in normal style? So, Mark, I was I was in Queens and uh, and I was I was going to buy some you know a drink because you know it's it's so it's so hot these days. Not mm-hmm. I was I was buying I was buying a hot cider. Um, oh yeah, uh, from this convenience store in Queens. And there was this boy there who wanted to buy chocolate milk, and I kind of cut out in front of him in line. And I felt bad about it, but, you know, dude's got to warm up with his cider. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And right. so, like, I left, and I was walking across the street, and, like, this guy came running out of the store and and shot this other man in the street. And I ran over to him and was cradling him as he was like slowly dying and and that kind of that 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 chocolate milk kid was across the street kind of looking awkward um and i was like what's going on are you okay and he said wait a minute i think i know you are are you related to mark ginocchio uh yes you know you're, you're talking about the tragic demise of my uncle ben who on his last dying breath wanted to remind you that with great podcasts must also come superior spider talk.